Chapter Seven of the Sorcery Club by Elliot O'Donnell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Seven: San Francisco Ladies and Divination. Curtis was as good as his word. The following day he remained indoors eating and planning what he should eat, whilst Hamar and Kelson went out with the express purpose of adding to their banking accounts. In a garden in Bryant Street, Hamar saw a man resting on his spade and mopping the perspiration from his forehead. As he stopped mechanically to see what was being done, a cold sensation ran up his right leg into his right hand the first and third fingers of which were drawn violently down with a cry of horror he shrank back directly beneath where he had been standing he saw under a fifteen or sixteen feet layer of gravel soil water a huge cauldron of water black and silent water that gave him the impression of tremendous depth and coldness hello matey what's the matter the man with the spade called out are you looking for your skin i never saw anyone so completely jump out of it so would you hamar said with a shudder if you saw what i do what's that then the man said leering on the ground snakes that's what i always see when i've got em so long as you don't see yourself there's some chance for you hamar retorted what makes you so hot why digging the man laughed anyone would get hot digging at such hard ground as this as for a little whippersnapper like you you'd melt right away and only your nose would remain nothing would ever melt that there's too much of it hamar scowled you needn't be insulting he said i asked you a simple question and i repeat it what makes you so hot when you should be cold or at least cool how should i the man mimicked i thought first you was merely drunk i can see quite clearly now that you're mad and yet you have such defective sight what makes you say that the man said testily why hamar responded because you can't see what lies beneath your very nose shall i tell you what it is yes tell away the man replied tell me my old mother's got twins and that boss croker is coming to lodge with us i'd know you for a liar anywhere by those teeth of yours look here said hamar drawing himself up angrily i have had enough of your abuse if i have any more i'll tell your employers it is evident you take me for a bummer but see and plunging his hand in his pocket he pulled it out full of gold kindly understand i'm somebody he went on and that i'm staying at one of the biggest hotels in the town i'm damned if i know what to make of you the man muttered unless you're a hoptical delusion underneath where i was standing just here and hamar indicated the spot is water any amount of it you have only to sink a shaft fifteen feet and you would come to it water the man laughed yes there is any amount of it on your brain that's the only water near here then you don't believe me hamar demanded not likely the man responded i only believe what i see and when i see a face like yours holding out a pot full of dollars i know as how you've stolen em 
get and hamar flew but hamar was not so easily nonplussed not at least when he saw a chance of making money entering the garden and keeping well out of sight of the gardener he arrived at the front door by a side path and with much formality requested to see the owner of the establishment the latter happening to be crossing the hall at the time heard hamar and asked what he wanted hamar at once informed him he was a dowser and that chancing to pass by the garden on his way to his hotel he had divined the presence of water i only wish there were the gentleman exclaimed but i fear you are mistaken i have attempted several times to sink a well but never with the slightest degree of success i have had all the ground carefully prospected by figgins of sacramento street he has a very big reputation and he assures me there isn't a drop of water anywhere near here within two hundred feet of the surface i know better hamar said will you get your gardener who by the way was very rude to me just now when i spoke to him to dig where i tell him i have absolute confidence in my power of divination the owner of the property whom i will call mr b assented and several gardeners including the one who had so insulted hamar were soon digging vigorously at the depth of fifteen feet water was found and indeed so fast did it begin to come that within a few minutes it had risen a foot the onlookers were jubilant i will send an account of it to the local papers mr b remarked your fame will be spread everywhere you have increased the value of my property a thousandfold i cannot tell you how grateful i am and he then and there invited hamar to luncheon after luncheon mr b made a present of a cheque rather in excess of the sum which hamar had all along intended to have and could not have refrained from demanding much longer in the afternoon all the san francisco specials were full of the incident and hamar seeing his name placarded for the first time was so overcome that he spent the rest of the evening in the hotel deliberating how he could best turn his sudden notoriety to account at ten o'clock kelson came in looking somewhat fatigued but nevertheless pleased he too had had adventures and he detailed them with so much elaboration that the other two had frequently to tell him to dry up i began in the morning he commenced by accosting a very fashionably dressed lady coming out of bushwell's store in commercial street divination at once told me she was the popular widow of j k bader the biscuit king of knob hill and that she was carrying in her big sealskin muff a gold hat-pin mounted with an emerald butterfly a silver-backed hairbrush a blue enameled scent-bottle and a porcelain jar all of which she had slyly nicked when no one was looking i stepped up to her and politely raised my hat saying good morning mrs bater i've a message for you i don't know you she said eyeing me very doubtfully who are you forgotten i said tragically and i have flattered myself it would be otherwise still i must try and survive i want to ask you a favour mrs bater a favour she exclaimed nervously what is it you are really a very extraordinary individual i was only going to ask if i might examine the contents of your muff i think you have certain articles in it that have not been paid for and i believe i am right in saying this is by no means the first time such a thing has happened she turned so pale i thought she was going to faint why whatever do you mean she stammered i've nothing that does not belong to me 
opinions differ on that score mrs bader i replied you have a pin a hairbrush a scent bottle and a jar and i described them each minutely whilst in your house you have on your dressing-table a silver-backed clothes-brush a silver manicure set you kleptomaniaed if you prefer to call it so from deacon's in sacramento street a tortoise-shell manicure set and an ivory card-case you obtained in the same manner from varter's in market street a set of silver buttons a glove stretcher and a mauve pincushion you likewise helped yourself too from selters in kearney street but i might go on detailing them to you till further orders for your house is literally crammed with them you have done very well mrs bater with the san francisco storekeepers good god man what are you she gasped you seem to read into the innermost recesses of my soul and to know everything you are right madam i said trying to appear very stern and almost failing she was so pretty by jove you fellows i wonder i didn't kiss her she had such fine eyes my favourite nose a ripping mouth and oh go on go on with your story never mind her looks curtis interrupted i've got a touch of indigestion as i was saying kelson went on complacently i could have kissed her and i felt downright mean for upsetting her so now that you have found me out she said what do you intend doing show me up in there and she pointed shudderingly at the store no i said not if you are sensible and come to terms i will agree to say nothing about either this or any of your other <clears throat> thefts if you let me escort you home and write me out a cheque for a thousand dollars beast she hissed so you are a blackmailer a black beetle if you like i responded but i assure you mrs bader i am letting you off cheap i have only to call for a policeman and your reputation would be gone at once besides i know other things about you what other things she stuttered well madam i replied some things are rather delicate er for single men like me to mention but i do know that er a lady very like remarkably like you has in her pocket at this moment a rattle which she bought and paid for in oakland's late last night and as madam mr bader has been dead over two years let me see yes two years yesterday one can stay that will do she whispered come to my house and i will give you the thousand dollars you must pretend you are my cousin i will pretend anything mrs bader i murmured helping her into a taxi anything so long as i can be with you you got the money hamar queried yes kelson said with a smile i got the money in fact everything i asked for there was a silence for some minutes and then hamar said what next what next kelson said why i thought i had done a very good day's work and was on my way back here to take a much-needed rest when i'm dashed if the unknown hadn't another adventure in store for me coming out of a garden in gough street within sight of goad's house was a lady young and very plain but rigged out in one of those latest fashion costumes a very tight short skirt and huge hat with high plume in it by the by i can't think why this costume which is so admirably suited to pretty girls because it attracts attention to them should be almost exclusively adopted by the ugly ones but to continue i knew immediately that she was ella barlow the much pampered and only daughter of j b barlow the vinegar magnet 
that she was in love or imagined herself in love with herbert delmas the manager of the columbian bank a young good-looking fellow whom she had been trying to set against his fiancee dora roberts dora is only nineteen very pretty and a trifle giddy nothing more but this failing of hers if you can call it a failing was just the very weapon ella barlow wanted she worked on it at once and by sending delmas a series of anonymous letters made him mad with jealousy this resulted in a breach between delmas and dora and ella barlow much elated at once tried to step into her shoes she has been going out a good deal with delmas who is in reality still very much in love with dora and consequently exceedingly miserable this morning ella anxious to show off a magnificent set of diamonds given her by her father telephoned to delmas to take her to the baldwin theatre where she has engaged a box for this evening fondly hoping that the diamonds will bring him up to the scratch and that he will propose to her when i saw her she was on her way to a notorious quack doctor and beauty specialist in californian street she suffers from some nasty skin disease and is in mortal terror lest delmas should get to know of it and also the fact that all her teeth are false and that two of her toes are badly deformed by jupiter hamar ejaculated this divination of yours beats mine into fits nothing escapes you no kelson laughed nothing ella barlow metaphysical and physical was laid before me just as bare as if the almighty had got hold of her with his dissecting knife i saw everything and what is more i said to myself here's plenty i can turn to a profitable account well i didn't stop her i let her go let her go curtis growled his mouth full of almonds and raisins you squirrel only for a time kelson said i went to see delmas delmas hamar interlocuted why the deuce delmas impulse kelson explained purely impulse yes but impulse is often a dangerous thing hamar said it is essential for us three especially to be on our guard against impulse what did you get out of delmas nothing kelson said looking rather shamefaced but the matter hasn't ended yet i'm going to the theatre after i've had something to eat i'll tell you what happens to-morrow it was late ere kelson came down to breakfast the following day and hamar and curtis were comfortably seated in armchairs reading the examiner when he joined them well hamar said looking up at him what luck but kelson wouldn't say a word till he had finished eating he then lolled back in his seat and began arriving at the baldwin i went straight to box one a tall figure rose to greet me and then an angry voice exclaimed why it's not herbert who are you sir do you know this box is engaged i humbly beg your pardon miss barlow i said i do know it is engaged but i came as mr delmas deputy and friend came as herbert's deputy and friend ella barlow repeated and by jove the diamonds did shine she was simply a mass of them hair neck arms and fingers and she had been so well faked up for the occasion that she was almost good-looking but i thought of all i knew about her and shuddered i will explain myself i said mr delmas telephoned to you this afternoon did he not she nodded saying that he very much regretted he could not leave business in time to escort you here would you mind very much going by yourself and he would join you as soon as possible yes ella barlow said 
he told me all that very well then i went on he rang me up some minutes later and asked me if i would take his place for the first hour or so and he would be here by the end of the first act but it is most unheard of ella barlow ejaculated i don't know you i've never seen you before that is of course very regrettable i said but i will do all i can for the past i've something to say that i'm sure will interest you have i your permission and without waiting for her reply i sat next to her the box was a big one big enough to hold half a dozen people and we sat in the extreme front of it the lights were not full up as the orchestra had not started playing i kept her attention fixed on my face so that she was unaware of what was taking place immediately behind her what is it she said whatever can you have to say that can be of any possible interest to me why i replied to begin with i know something about your character then you're a fortune teller she exclaimed eagerly i can read everything i said looking hard at her hands head and feet i am a psychometrist dentist physician metaphysician all in one i don't understand she said looking queer what is the meaning of all this it means i said slowly that i have discovered who sent those anonymous letters to herbert delmas anonymous letters how dare you she cried what have anonymous letters to do with me a very great deal madam i replied i shall remind you of their contents and the occasions on which you wrote them i did so i recited every word in them and told her the hour day and place namely when and where each was written and i summed up by asking what she would pay me not to tell delmas for some minutes she was too overcome to say anything she sat grim and silent her pale eyes glaring at me her freckled fingers toying with the diamonds she was baffled and perplexed she did not know what course to pursue well i repeated what have you to say do you deny it she roused herself with an effort no she said venomously i don't deny it denial would be useless how did you find out through one of the maids i suppose they were bribed to spy on me how i discovered it is of no consequence i said but what is of consequence to you as much as to me is the payment for hushing it up payment she cried raising her voice to a positive shriek in her excitement pay you you nasty beastly cadging toad you but i can't repeat all she said it would make you both blush i let her go on until she had worn herself out and then i said well miss barlow why all this fuss why these fireworks it can't do you any good we must come to business sooner or later if you don't pay me handsomely i shall tell miss roberts as well as mr delmas mr delmas won't believe you she hissed you've no proofs at all perhaps not i said but i've proofs of this i know you have two deformed toes on your left foot that all your teeth are false and that you go to that charlatan howard prince in californian street to be faked up i must be brutal it's no use being anything else to women of your sort you've got a certain species of eczema and you flatter yourself that no one but you and prince are aware of it what have you to say now miss barlow but ella barlow had fainted when she came to which i managed after vigorous applications of salts and water the effect of the latter on her complexion i leave you to imagine i again broached the subject what is it you propose she said feebly why this i said 
you hand me over all those diamonds and your defects as far as i am concerned will always remain a secret refuse and miss roberts and mr delmas shall know all there is to be known at once for some minutes she sat with her face buried in her hands shivering then she looked up at me and jerusalem it was like looking at an old woman take them she said take them i shall never wear them again anyhow take them and leave me well you fellows i steeled my heart and slipped every jack one that was on her into my pocket you won't tell them she whispered catching hold of me by the arm you swear you won't i won't try and remember exactly what i answered but outside the door of the box delmas joined me he had been concealed within and had heard everything that passed i can't say how grateful i am to you he said it's a bit low down perhaps but then we were dealing with a low down person you thoroughly deserve those diamonds will you accept an offer for them from me i should like to buy them for miss roberts and present them to her on our reconciliation we came to terms then and there and he phoned through to me an hour ago to say that he had made it up with miss roberts and that she was delighted with the diamonds and that they are going to be married next month so out of evil good comes hamar said the maxim for us remember is out of evil evil alone must come what are you going to do to-day you two rest said kelson i'm tired eat said curtis i'm hungry now look here this won't do hamar remarked you've earned your rest matt but you haven't ed you can't go on eating eternally can't i curtis snapped i'm not so sure of that i've had years to make up for then do the thing in moderation for goodness sake hamar expostulated and recollect we must at all costs act together we now have twelve thousand dollars between us in the bank that is to say the capital of the firm of hamar curtis and kelson represents that amount it is our ambition to increase that amount and to go on increasing it till we can fairly claim it to be the richest firm in the world now to do that we must work and work hard if we are to live at the pace ed is setting us but there is no reason why we should remain here and i propose that we move elsewhere i've got a scheme in my head rather a colossal one i admit but not altogether impossible what is it kelson asked yes out with it curtis grunted it is this hamar said i suggest that we go to london london in england i guess it's the richest town in the world and they're set up as sorcerers the sorcery company limited we should begin with divination and juggling and so on according to the seven stages we should of course sell our cures and spells and there is not the slightest doubt but that we should make an enormous pile with which we would gradually buy up not merely london but the whole of england that's a rather tall order kelson murmured a small one you mean curtis sneered you could put the whole of england twice over in california and from what i've heard i don't go much on london i reckon it isn't much bigger than san francisco still you wouldn't mind being joint owner of it hamar laughed no perhaps not curtis said rather dubiously i guess we could buy the crown and wear it in turn sam westlake up at medler's always used to say the britishers will sell their souls if anyone bid high enough they think of nothing but money over there when shall we go at the end of the week hamar said 
that is to say on wednesday in three days time first class all the way of course curtis said i'll see to the arrangements for the catering and berths all right hamar laughed as he filled three glasses with champagne here drink you fellows long life health and prosperity to hamar curtis and kelson the modern sorcery company limited end of chapter seven read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california